Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everyone in between, welcome to Season 4, Episode 8 of Her Ice, a girls and women's hockey podcast based in the great state of Minnesota. We have our very first guest on the show today. She is a collegiate national champion with the Minnesota Golden Golden Gophers. She is a 2018 Olympic gold medalist, and she's a 2019 women's world champion. And somehow she said yes to my very poorly worded email asking for an interview. Ladies and germs, Kelly freaking panic. Hello. Yeah. (laughs) How do you live up to that? I don't know. I don't I don't know. I think it was the kindly worded email part of it. That was pretty cool. Oh yeah. I'm great at writing emails asking people to come on a show that they've probably never heard of. But Kelly, <laughs> we are we are thrilled to have you on. Uh you were at an event today. What event were you at? Um, today we had a scrimmage this morning against some retired professional men's players. Um yeah, it was a fun time. We won actually in overtime, three on three overtime, so that was nice. Um, but yeah, it was fun to play. We haven't played a game since our last rivalry series or my white tour game, I guess, um, in the middle of December. But so it was fun to get out there and play against other people that weren't our teammates. So is that um, the the famed Super Rink Six down in Blade? Yeah, uh, I think it's kind of we play on five usually, which is the Bethel Rink, just okay. from a um, video standpoint. So when we do our scrimmages on blame we usually play on that rank because of the like bleachers and stuff there's a better um angle for the camera to get video so that we can watch it later that's interesting right, right. that's interesting because you're going to be playing on an olympic sheet and i believe bethel is a regulation sheet isn't it yeah and i don't actually don't know they might have i should i should probably know but i think they changed the the size of the rank so after 2018 the ihs sent out a lot of surveys and a lot of dealers to different um, to I think the different federations uh-huh. and then we got a survey as players saying like what do you prefer to play on um, and I think they switched it to the standard NHL size sheet for the Olympics as well um, I think the logic behind it was um, it allows more places to host just because that's what they usually have except obviously in Europe but I also so I think it also went to like a maybe an advantage thing too because in Europe a lot of those ranks are Olympic sized um, but I'm not sure. I, I, but I'm pretty sure it's an NHL size rink because it's not something we've talked about at all. Right. Whereas in 2018, it was definitely something that we um, would talk about and kind of, again, bring up the differences. Well, As you... a player, do you prefer Olympic or regulation? Um, either. I think the Olympic sheet is, is fun with the puck because you just have so much space. And I think you have to when you're playing without the puck, you have to be really honest about your defensive positioning. So with the puck, if you can get, you know, kind of pull people out of position and exploit the space behind, there's a lot more opportunity to do that. But I think from a viewing standpoint, I think our games especially look a lot faster on an NHL size sheet, just because plays do have to happen faster. And especially without the big open ice hits, even though there are still plenty of body contact in our game, I think uh, it just makes the speed of the game go really fast, which is also fun to play in. You uh, just said the four-letter acronym that we've been make may bedeviled on Youth Hockey Hub the last two weeks. <laughs> IIHF. Uh, when the U18 Worlds double standard came out 
Uh, I can only imagine what you felt and what your teammates felt as pioneers for uh, the other young women in the game. What, what, go through what happened in your brain and when your peers on the Olympic team's brain. Yeah, so I actually found out, I was actually at um, one of my last few vanilla games coaching, and obviously one of our players was supposed to be on that team. Emma. So, yeah, I'm pa- Emma Pasha, one of our senior captains, and she um, was going on the ice. I think our game started at 3, so they're on the ice at 2.35 for warm-ups. And as we're going on the ice, her dad stopped over and was asking if she had stepped out for in, for a meeting. And me and our other coaches were kind of looking like, no, I don't think so. Like, you're not in their, in their locker room or anything. We just kind of wait till they go on the ice to talk to them after warm-ups. And so I was like, I don't know, um, but I'll ask. And he was like, okay, the USA Hockey just sent out uh, – you know, kind of an emergency meeting, essentially, at 2.30. I don't know if she would have looked at her phone, but between then and then. So they go out for warm-ups. I'm on the bench. I kind of start sending some texts. I'm in an, um, on the Women's Advisory Committee, actually, with USA Hockey. So it's me and some of my teammates, some former players, um, and then some different people within different organizations, mainly USA Hockey. And so we actually had just had our meeting, our monthly meeting, the day before. So we're talking about different conversations and so it was relevant for me to say hey have you guys heard about this um i heard there's emergency meeting being called hearing it may be canceled and so her dad actually came onto the bench and during one of them was like i just got like whatever i think he got an email or he spoke to other parents and he said they canceled it without any plans to reschedule (laughs) so there's a few different things like i'm obviously like mad and then also the coaching side of me is here's one of our senior captains who has to play in this game and she's obviously really really excited for this event that's coming up in a week or so she was supposed to leave um but how can we make this the easiest for her to get through this game and then find out in an appropriate way as well so that was a, a weird kind of dynamic to it but and then I'm also having these conversations with some of my teammates about what's being heard what's official and whatnot um and obviously when I found out it was canceled and I think the most the most frustrating part isn't that it didn't happen when it was supposed to happen because obviously there's so much going on right. in the world right now. Even with, I mean, every organization, sports organization in the world right. is dealing with COVID and Omicron and or Omicron or whatever, and trying to figure out how to safely play. I think the most frustrating part of it is that it's immediately canceled and not postponed, but the attention of rescheduling. And that's the part where even for us, when our world championship, I think in May of 2021, or March or April, May of 2021 got canceled. It was canceled until we pushed for it to be rescheduled. Yeah, we were kind of hoping that it would get rescheduled. I mean, I think I think until the World Juniors got canceled, I thought a, a, a reschedule was going to happen. Didn't you kind of get start to get that feeling? Yeah, and I think that that was our hope. I think that was something that as players, like we're obviously pushing for. There's obviously different um, intricacies of the IHF that we don't know about, even as players, um, and different committees and people and presences from different federations on that committee um and obviously then the ihs response was that they like sweden couldn't host it at the end of this or in the spring because they had different um prior commitments which to them it's like let's find a place to do it because there's plenty of places i think that you could find to host it yeah um obviously it's disappointing for sweden i think i think they're excited for it i think they're they're a national team program um, it'd be great for them to host it, but I think the more important piece of it is that it gets rescheduled. Now it'll be interesting. I haven't heard anything about the under 20 men's world juniors getting rescheduled. So it'd be interesting to see if that ever, because that's a big for them. That's a big scouting piece for the NHL. 
Right. Um, huge. Huge. So that, that'll be interesting to see if that, and I, again, I haven't heard anything. I haven't really seen much, but if that gets pushed through and obviously now the biggest thing is for every federation is to make sure the Olympics can obviously happen. I think that uh, from uh, you talk about scouting for NHL, but I think scouting for Division One coaches uh, at the women's level is it's an enormous opportunity for girls to get seen um, uh, at the U18 Worlds. Yeah, I think it's interesting because for most of the players that are on that team, they're already committed, yes. and they have them for a while. And this is one of the biggest differences between women's hockey and men's hockey. So from the early ages for girls, when you're young and going through high school, when you become aware of the U18 team, like that's what you want to be on. And it's not so much like the whole process to getting on that team is the recruiting tool. Right. That's where like, if you can make it to different camps, whether it's the 54 camp or whatever they do now, I don't I think yep. it's changed so much since I was there, but the 54 camp where you know that there's going to be, especially in Minnesota, you know that all of the schools that you could think of going to will be at this camp. And then obviously if you make it further and you make it to the national camp, you make it to the whatever piece of it, there's more obviously recruiting that goes into that. Um, and then boys is similar. And I think they have some similarities, but obviously their big goal for a lot of them is the NHL. Right. Whereas for women like and for girls, our biggest goal is to make it to the national team and make it to the Olympics because we don't have that pro league right now where like and there are obviously there's the pwhpa there's the phf there's europe you can play in wherever you can find a place to play after college but it's not something that you're thinking about and dying to be a part of when you're a kid growing up like the nhl is for the boys correct well it it feels like from that standpoint that the women's u18 worlds along with the uh any other international competition it's more. It's almost more important from an advertising standpoint for younger players as opposed to a scouting and a uh, a collegiate level thing. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's like I mean, that's women's sports in general, right? I think you look. Um, I mean, we always say if you can see it, you can be it. And how? And you look and talk about growing women's hockey, and you can talk about let's say specifically the U.S. If it's not on TV, and let's say you're living in florida how is a girl supposed to ever know that she can play hockey unless she sees it on tv unless she sees it somewhere and right. so unless you grow up with the hockey ties wherever and obviously minnesota is a very different unique along with a few other states where hockey there are so many hockey ties in the state but i think that's the the most frustrating piece of it is it's super super important for from a visibility standpoint and i think even the kendall coin schofield made the point that the last time she watched, we were able to watch the U18s, I think it was in 2019. Mm -hmm. If I'm not mistaken, it was through like basically an iron camera phone. It was like a live It was bar. brutal. Oh. It was brutal. Yeah. So oh. if, if that's what the option is, like that's not, how does, obviously then you have your Twitter trolls going on. They're being like, of course they, they're terrible. Like look at the feed or whatever. Like that's the part that's frustrating is if you give women at any age the platform, we will constantly show up and exceed your expectations if you have an open mind. And I think the people, the only people that do not enjoy women's sports as a whole are people that are just very close-minded. Or, or have never watched it. They've never watched yeah, it. Or they've never watched it. Don't get me started. Don't get me yeah. started. 
I always get a, I always get a kick out of the the checking, no checking. I I yeah. argue all the time. I go to girls high school hockey games and boys high school hockey games. I'm like the girls game that I just saw was more physical than the boys. Do you ever get that criticism or or analysis about you guys the way you play? Yeah, I think especially with the games that we play against Canada being on national television, a lot of the commentary is that it's it's super physical. And I think especially and there's it's kind of two different multifaceted, I think, especially at my level, is that one, every single time we play in the game, especially wearing the USA jersey, you're you're going hundred percent what I would call almost like playoff hockey. Right. Right. Like there's no like you are forechecking, you are back checking, you are doing all the dirty work, you're you're dotting all your I's, crossing all your T's, doing everything to be your best every single shift. What you see in the NHL is you, guys that play 80 games a year, 80-plus games, on injuries, all these things. Like, they have to manage their games differently. So I understand it. It's not a critique, but it's more just an observation. And I think that's what people see is that physicality, especially along the walls. Like, they're, in our games, like there, is, there is hitting along the walls, and anyone who says there isn't hasn't watched. Um, but I, I, in terms of, like, the open ice hits, I don't mind that we don't do those just because I think it keeps the integrity of the game and it makes you make plays. Again, there's still, like, physicality and altercations where it gets tricky, especially when I see, like, the high school level is when, and even at our level, is when there's kind of that open for discre- discrepancy where it's like, is that a hit or is that just body contact? Well, that was, was the, there an, as a coach or a player, either one, you could answer either of this, you can wear either hat, and this answer is how much is taught to use your body? There has to be a ton of that being taught. Yeah, well, I think, so for me, because I still grew up in the age where I played on a boys' team growing up, I played through peewees. Mm-hmm. So I, and that was back when you could check, check. in peewees. Yep. Um, and I was still, like, I mean, I wasn't much smaller than I am now. So I was bigger than still mo- a lot of the boys that I played with. But, so I, I grew up a little bit in that, like, I learned how to hit. I learned how to be ready for a hit type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely, I think, something, even, like, our team this week, actually, we were, kind of going back over a four check and really like that F1. And it, it is like you are, it's, you have to be able to, it's a skill in and of itself to get someone pinned against the wall physically quickly without taking a penalty. Cause if you hit them, if you hit them in a way and they fall down, they, they probably will call it even if it's not necessarily a penalty. Like even if it's not necessarily like the biggest hit that happened during the game type of thing. Right. So it is definitely like a, a conversation and it's it's one that especially with the high schoolers now with the girls as a coach is telling them kind of to embrace that because now which is great a lot of girls grow up playing girls hockey which right. is great but it's also then understanding that as they get older and especially like for those girls in my team that want to that are playing d1 or playing college or want to it's understanding that hey when you go and even in our games at high school you it's physical like be physical find obviously the limits within the game different refs ref it different obviously but you want to find that line of physicality and be right there on it because it's an advantage do you is that something that you guys are taught at an olympic team as to how to use your body and do some off-ice practices that way whether it's with the coaching staff or with the weightlifting team or things yeah i mean obviously we i mean in general, like we work, I mean, we work out a ton, obviously, and strength is a big piece of it. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily much of a conversation because it's more of a like requirement. Mm-hmm. And certain people are better at it than others. Different, I mean, different players are better at it than others. Um, but it's not something that like they necessarily go through like the fine details of. But it's more just like a focus to hey, let's, let's be assertive 
physically with whatever that is, whether it's being quick to close down space. And then also, again, like I think the biggest thing our team finds success when, especially on four tracks and even in the D zone is when we're able to get the puck and surround it and slow it down. And oftentimes that means hitting someone on the wall or hitting them or rubbing them out or whatever it is. Right. right. Well, I love the fact that you mentioned how it gets more physical as girls progress through the levels. I was at the Edina Minnetonka game during the walls or invite, which was uh, probably the most physical game I've seen all year, boys or girls. And I remember somebody being there going, wow, this game is too physical. Those are body checks. And I'm like, well, if these girls want to play college hockey, which so many of them do and are committed to play for college programs, they have to get used to it. This is just how it's going to be from here on out. Yeah. And I think the, even the comment of being too physical, well, it's like everyone's playing the same game. So like my biggest pet peeve is when it doesn't ever seem like when it's a safety issue um, or there seems to be a lack of control. Like if there's bodies flying all over the place and this game has become a gong show, well, let's <laughs> find a way as big as the refs. I'm not a ref. I don't, I think I'd be a terrible one, but I, I love to critique them. But if they, let's find a way to bring in this game to make it so that the skill is still shining through. And I think, yeah, as long as the physicality in, is controlled in a way where the game keeps its integrity, I'm all for it. And like you said, it, it it's only going to get more physical. And especially, I mean, you think about the difference if you're, let's say, a freshman girl, let's say you're 14, 15, playing against an 18-year-old. And then you look at the difference between being an 18-year-old in college to then a 22 versus 22, 23-year-old in, in college. And look at, like, the difference in how – the same thing on the boys' side, but it's the same in the way that – you know, you like I lifted more when I got to college than I did in high school. It's different now. Girls are doing more off ice stuff now than we did back then. But like even then, like your body, like the load that I can handle is a lot higher as you get older. And so it's just again that difference between a 14 year old and 18 year old, and then an 18 year old and a 22 year old is crazy. I saw you guys over in the super rink this weekend because we had our event there, and you guys were working out after practice. I would say fairly hard uh between now and the olympics i'm sure you guys are dialed in pretty well on your physical loads of lifting what is it what is it today will it get harder will it get easier between now and and the olympics yeah so we're kind of in a place now where we're not i don't think we're playing any more games just because of obviously um one having teams to play and then also like our covid protocols versus other teams and then also just like uh let's be kind of create start creating our bubble so to speak as much as we can so our and a lot of it is it's kind of balancing that like how do we stay in game shape while not playing games and a lot of that comes with the off-ice stuff and honestly like we have a strength coach was actually our strength coach at we, the u Cal we D. all know cal we all know yeah, cal. Big cat, yeah i call him we call him big cat big cat cal <laughs> um he's a mad scientist so whatever he says yeah whatever he says he whatever he says we do but yeah, it's definitely managing it. And obviously he kind of usually checks in with us. Like if it's a harder day on the ice and we practice, um, you know, a good hour 45, sometimes two hours, um, sometimes with ice cuts, sometimes without. So depending on the day and what we're doing, how taxing it is on the ice, he'll sometimes cater what we do off the ice, whether it's just like dropping it a set less. Um, but yeah, it's kind of now at this point, it's just kind of maintaining. We're not trying to build any more muscle. It's just maintaining everything we have and optimizing what we have, I guess. 
um, to kind of hold us through uh, is, February. Does Cal have like a one size fits all or does he have each individual like Danny has a different program than Kelly? Or, yeah. Or, or how does that yeah. work? Um, so it's interesting. So with this big of a group and because, you know, it's, it is a short amount of time, especially in terms of like training. So like for us, for me, like I work, I've worked with Cal obviously since I've been in college. So it's been gosh, six, seven years now. Yep. Um, and he, so like when I work with him in the summer, it's different. So I'll go in and there's different things, ways that he figures out, this is what program you need. Right. And he's gotten, and he's so excited for it. Cause he's like, I'm, there's so like, there's, he, he's like, you're going to be more specific than he has, has been in the past. I don't know how, but he is, but with this big of a group and because it's literally been since really October to then through January, right? it's not that long to really make a, a ton of changes. He has certain things that, that he has us do that like for everyone, it'll benefit them. And even if you don't do it with the perfect technique, it's more about athleticism and doing it athletically. Right. And it'll still benefit you rather than doing Olympic style lifting where it's like you do a deadlift and you do a snatch and a clean and all these things that I've never really learned how to do quite frankly, where you have to be really technically sound in order to do them. And some, some of our, my teammates, that's how they train back home, which works for them. But when it's such a big group, he's like, I can't teach 23 of you to do this because it could take two years before you master this. And it actually, you know, benefits you as an athlete. So it's, it's right now as our team, it's all, we're all doing the same stuff. Right. Um, but when we have a longer training time, like, so for when I start training for with him after um, February, it'll be kind of back to what does Kelly specifically need to get her ready for what's to come. So circle back to what you've you know cal's a legend as you've you mentioned yeah. a minute ago so do you ever you could practically get like a bachelor's degree from just being around him you know he's got the phd <laughs> right so do you ever take what you learned with him the last six seven eight years and use it with your girls at benilth for weight training and and training specifically yeah i i mean as far as like actually like writing up a program for him i would never feel qualified enough for them i right. could get like what i have done is say so especially last year when it was um our team was in a COVID shutdown. The vanilla girls were, right. um, there was some stuff that Cal had sent to all of us with different kind of like ways to get cardio in, right. in your home or different, like very basic lifts that weren't really even like, even when it was bands or whatever you had, whether it was like squats, like doing bodyweight squats, lunges, different push-ups, all these different things. So I've done like last year a little bit more, like I passed some of those things along during that time. Um, this year we have a strength coach that we work with and, I don't ever, like, I would never think that that's my area of expertise, but when it comes to, like, hey, how are the girls feeling today, um, and understanding that, I think the biggest thing I've learned from Cal is, honestly, like, how stress affects the body, and how, like, if one, let's say, like, if you hurt your ankle, that could actually go all the way up to, like, your glute not working right, or your back then being off, or your hips, or all these other things. So it's more just like I find it really fascinating, but I would I don't I don't think I'd ever claim to be a an expert at it by any means. Well, it's good that you don't claim to be an expert at something. You run into some coaches and like, wow, I know how to do this. Yeah. Breakdown video, and I can design the nutrition program. <laughs> yeah. Elegant. The girls probably hear my voice enough. I think they like a different a different voice. <laughs> well, you mentioned those uh, women's national team protocols. I want to get a little more specific about those. Uh, what are some of the baseline rules that you have to follow as a member of the women's national team preparing to go to Beijing? Yeah. And it's, it's changed. Um, obviously as kind of like 
the current events have changed. I mean, we're in October. It was obviously October coming kind of off the summer. Um, I feel like as a collective society, we probably were like, oh, COVID's going away, maybe a little <laughs> naively. Um, but obviously, I mean, it's we were kind of going in more normal, quote unquote, terms. So we weren't wearing masks at that point. Um, we weren't as worried about testing. Um, uh, we weren't worried about necessarily who we were playing in terms of like if their team had COVID. Um, we weren't as worried about if like, let's say we did have a COVID outbreak on our team, what that means. And then obviously as we played more games, we traveled more, playing against Canada more, going to Canada, them coming here, um, things tightened up a bit. And now um, being where we're at, I think, I think it's, we have a clock on our locker room, I think it's 28 days till our first game. Uh, we're kind of at that point where we really don't want to get COVID. And if someone in our group does get COVID, we are going to make sure that we are absolutely minimizing the risk as much as possible to pass it and spread it to our team. Um, because the last thing I think we want as a group is like, let's say one person gets it and then five days later, another person gets it and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we're, I mean, we're wearing masks all the time, except when we're on the ice. We're working on a mask and the masks we wear, like, it's either a surgical mask or an N95 or a KN95. And that's actually um, at the Olympics, we'll have to wear KN95s or N95s. So getting used to those, just a little more like heavy duty, I would say, is, was an adjustment. Right. Um, when we go on the ice, we're not wearing masks. But like that team we played today, we had, they got COVID tested. They did rapid tests today before the game. Um, we're doing testing pretty much, I think, at this point every other day. Um, we said we do the spit test, so it's it's funny going in the morning and you can't like eat or drink within thirty minutes. Right. <laughs> That's always super fun. But yeah, at this point it's it's all it's interesting and I I talking to our trainer about it. Like just I just I just find it very interesting. Um she's kind of like the there's there's no guidelines for what like our team is trying to do. Um the C D C is great for the general population who aren't trying to go to the Olympics where like you will get tested every single day. Um but so it's, it's just been interesting kind of trying to navigate that and a lot of it changes. Um, and yeah, you kind of just got to be able to go with the flow and then also just understand that we are trying to keep our group as tight as possible. So whether that means not going into grocery stores, doing online delivery services, um, if you live with people outside of our team, minimizing the risk there. So like for me, I um, live in a house with two friends that are on our team. So I've been wearing a mask. Um, when they're when I'm around them in our living room and stuff. So Gosh. yeah, it's pretty crazy, pretty intense, but it makes sense when you kind of break it down more. Uh, Peter, you were going to ask uh, Kelly about her childhood heroes. You want to roll that one out? That's a great question. Oh, I had another COVID question. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Happy. Uh, is there a sense of anxiety around the team? Kind of like a, we can do all that we can do, but if there's a breakthrough case, this could all be for not, or is everyone just kind of, like we'll take it a day at a time and whatever happens happens. Yeah. I think we try to take it a day, day by day. Obviously everyone's different. So I can really only speak for myself. Um, and we're not quite at the point yet where it gets to be really, really serious. We're like, Hey, like, what does this mean? Like, so we're, our travel date, we're leaving the 27th for China, but the 24th we're leaving for LA. So, when is the last time in theory you could test positive before you get there or before leaving for LA or all these different things like that's there. There's definitely like anxiety there, but ultimately it's 
we all have to also show up at every rink every single day and like do our job. And it's hard to do your job when you're stressed about things, especially things that aren't related to like your actual performance. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of a mix of both. And then I think also like, it's a very like personally, like I could do every single thing in my power and something might happen. And like, at some point, like you kind of have to accept it. It wouldn't be easy by any means, but it's, I mean, as we've seen in our lives the last two years, I mean, anything can happen. Good, good point. Okay. We can be done talking about COVID. I promise. Please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. More fun, more fun topics, please. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you're a, a 95 birth year. So you weren't, uh, I would assume you weren't old enough to really, um, remember how the 1998 Nagano games would have affected you as a hockey player, unless you were a very astute two or three. Yeah. So, but was there a, a player growing up from the U S women's national team that you kind of, uh, attached to, or somebody that you really enjoyed watching? Yeah, I think for me, it would have been Chrissy Wendell. Um, I think that those six games are like the first time I remember like going home and I don't remember, I don't even know if they're a tape delayed. I mean, or what, or if they were live, but going home and like watching those. Um, and, and obviously like her being a gopher and being from Minnesota, like obviously very, um, I mean, that's just very relatable for me. And then I've gotten the chance. I, she actually, this is one of my favorite stories is I was a freshman in college and one of our, like our exhibition game was an alumni game at the beginning of the year. And the alumni team at this point, like one of the lines was Chrissy Wendell, Natalie Garwitz, Erica McKenzie. And I, like, I'm like, how, how in the heck, like, these are three national team players, two Olympians, like, very, very, very competitive people. Like, I can only imagine how I would be when I'm in my 30s and, like, not that far removed from a career and just still very competitive as a person. And I remember I got absolutely dangled by Chrissy Wendell. She went in. I don't know if she scored or not. And I remember the next day, Frosty called me into the coach's room, pulled it up on video and goes, yeah, this uh, can't happen. And I was like, yes, coach, won't happen again. But I'm also in the back of my head thinking, like, it was Chrissy Wendell, though. Do you realize that? Like, it was, it was Chrissy Wendell. But, yeah, she still had it in uh, 2014. If you, if you had dangled by anybody, it would be Chrissy Wendell, right? Right. Like getting embarrassed by your idol. Right. It's all, it's all good. That's her. It's all good. TZ, you got, uh, you got, got any? I got a, I got a question for you. Um, this kind of goes back to the coaching. Um, you have, uh, you had Rob Stauber as your coach in 2018. We could go over some other coaches as well, but I just wanted to compare the two with Joel and Rob. Uh, how are they the same, and how are they different uh, to play for? Um, we'll start with how they're the same. There's not a ton of similarities. I think the biggest one is that they're both a little not out there isn't the right word, but um, you, sometimes you don't always know what they're thinking. I have, I think, I think a pretty good relationship with Joel, um, just going back to like to college even. Right. Um, so I like think I understand a little bit more what, what he's thinking, but sometimes you just, you don't always quite know, which maybe is just the, the deal with the head coach. But, um, I think the biggest difference is just the amount of experience with the women's game. JJ's in, almost in a sense grown up with it and it's been his career. Whereas, um, Rob had been around the national team. I think since 2010, but more so just in the goalie capacity. So it was different just with him being, you know, with the perspective of honestly a goalie. Um, and then with JJ now, he's with this program, especially like he's grown up with it. He was the U18 coach. He's been the U22 coach. I would be, I mean, I think with my, the amount of players that have played for him 
before, you know, playing for him at this, the full senior national team, whether it was U18s or um, in college was a lot of people. So like all the, basically all the women on our team younger, my teammates younger than me, he coached them at U18s, I think. So it's a pretty weird, I mean, not weird, but it's just a different dynamic. And he's very, very, very understanding of everything it takes to be on our team, not just from the performance side, but also what's expected of you off the ice, which I think is pretty cool. Um, last question for me, Peter, if you have any others, great. I, I just want to walk well, through I, your, so your, your gold medal moment, you know, when, when Maddie makes the save, where were you in the pile? Were you early in the pile, late to the pile? Yeah. <laughs> where, yeah so. Didn't someone get a, didn't someone get, was it Danny who cut herself in the pile? Um, somebody got cut in the pile, I think. Maybe I know I, I get confused because Lee, Lee got cut in one of our national championship piles. Oh, it might have been Danny. Um, no, I so I was in the middle of the bench watching the shootout. Some of our teammates did not watch, <laughs> like they just couldn't. Um, I couldn't, they really they had to turn around and then they just had to wait till they heard that good or the bad. I think, I think, so Casey Bellamy was one that didn't watch, I know for sure. And she was standing, I think, right behind me. And I think she turned and watched the last save. Um, but it, I, I kind of knew, like, so at that point, like, I, I knew I, I probably wasn't going to be going in the shootout. Like, I think multiple people would have gone multiple times before it got to me. Right. Um, which is perfectly fine. And so I was sitting there next to Haley's group, one of my teammates. And actually, before it even started, the shootout, Maddie was sitting right below me and I think that someone took a picture of it, like through, like when it was on TV, they showed her and she, uh, so she's sitting there and I was like, do you want to talk or do you want to be quiet? She goes, what do you want to talk about? Like, she's just like super light. And that's what was cool about Maddie is she was, I think 20 at the time. And she was just like knowing her as I know her, she was probably freaking out a little bit, but she also just puts on a super, super calm presence. Um, so as it goes back and forth and, I mean, we scored some crazy goals. Like Gigi scored from her butt. Yeah. Um, and then Jocelyn's move at the end. Yeah. And I remember their next player up. I was like, Maddie's going to save this. And so I was getting ready to jump the boards. She saved it. Starts rolling a little bit. Maddie scoops it back up. And then we jump over. I think someone got stuck. Like, got caught. They couldn't get over. They got stuck behind the door or something. But I was somewhere, like, in the early middle. Okay. Um, and then I went around. Like, I, I don't love being in, like, a big dog pile by any means. So... <laughs> I was like around the other side, and I think the first person I hugged was Decker. Um, yeah, and then it was just craziness from there. But I think one of the not the funniest. I mean, it's funny now, but also sad is Megan Keller was in the penalty box during it all. Yeah, she got she got the penalty in OT. Yeah, and then they almost scored. Maddie made a crazy save with the handle of her stick, and Megan Keller was sitting in the box, and because she got a penalty during overtime and it didn't expire, she had to sit in the penalty box during the entire shootout, and it was very sad. Just a cage of nervousness. (laughs) Yeah, and I think, like, and her mom, her mom was not doing well. I think she was sitting close, but near my parents, and she was just a nervous wreck during that. Because, you mean, like, you can imagine, like, how terrible you would feel sitting in a penalty box in the gold medal game during OT. During the shootout, it's a little different, but during OT, where you're like, if this goes in, like, this, you would make it feel like it's your fault. It's not. It happens. It's a game, but yeah, and it was actually funny in 2019, going to overtime, the, the World Championship, going to overtime, Megan Keller gets a penalty, sitting in the box. It goes to a shootout. Megan Keller is still sitting in the box during the shootout. So she's like, I can't get away from it. 
<laughs> Tell her she's got to be more careful in overtime. Oh, I, I think she has. She has. It hasn't happened so far this this year, and it didn't happen at the last World Championship. So I think she's feeling better about her odds. All right, uh, I got a couple of fun ones just to close ourselves out. Uh, best player you've ever played with? Oh gosh, um, this is your. It's chance. really hard. Um, because I feel like, especially now, like with the national team, I mean, there are some career hockey players on this team. Um, I mean, like, it's you go up and down the lineup. I think one of the ones I think that, especially like in college, Hannah Brand in college, especially, like, she would do things and you're just like, how? And she still does it, but it just was so much more noticeable in college. And then I think, I mean, I could break it down. Hillary Knight, obviously, for... I mean, everything I think she's done, like, it's unfathomable. Like, every single game, it felt like at the last World Championship, she was breaking another record, and then you hear it. And I was like, I don't even know. I think I have five goals, and then she's at, like, 100, it feels like, maybe even more. Um, so she, I mean, she's someone that she's like, to look at her entire career and how she's changed as a player is crazy. Amanda Kessel is one of the most skilled players up and down um, in very, very subtle ways. Like, the obvious is there with her hands and her vision. Her quickness, but also her defensive ability is crazy. Alex Carpenter is another one. Um, she just flies. Like she's able to go from zero to 100 without looking like she's even sweating. Kendall Coyne obviously is the fastest player ever. Um, and then Brianna Decker, I think, is someone who makes the simple play the right play almost every single time. And I think I will answer, I'll answer it with one person, though. Someone who I hate playing against. Yeah. So, like, if I'm, I'm saying, like, one-on-one hate playing against Lee Stecklin. I was going to say. the hardest player one-on-one to play against because she's not even trying that hard. She's just so good at how she positions her stick and all these things. She's so long. I was that, just like, getting the long stick of Lee Stecklin, right? Yeah, there's no ch- – like, you, if you even get a shot on net, you feel like it's a win. And, <laughs> and then she got, she got a little bit of nastiness to her. Everyone thinks that Lee is, like, the sweetest human in the world, which she is. But she has this little bit of nastiness on the ice that, like, she she'll she'll hold on to you if she if you get like kind of a step, she'll make sure she gets right back in there. So it's, she's, I love having her on my team though. I love yeah. That you answer. don't have to play game. You just have to go up against her and practice. Right, makes it better though. I guess we do a lot of uh, like off season training together, so that makes you makes you want to pull your hair out sometimes. It doesn't always feel like you're getting better when you're going against her. I'll say that. That's a nice way to put it. You soften yeah. a little bit. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't think I have anything left. Kelly, this has been uh, an absolute blast for both of us. Thank you so much for coming on. We look forward to uh, watching you on the big, well, big screen. I, I would probably stream the games on my laptop. <laughs> Hopefully you and the rest of the U.S. women bring home gold. And I think I speak for almost everyone in the women's hockey sphere when I say that we're incredibly proud of you. Thank you. I appreciate it. This was fun. Thank you, Kelly. That was a fantastic interview. Peter, what a wonderful job of orchestrating that. Congratulations to you on getting her to be on the show. I give her the most credit. All I did was send an email, and she actually got back to me, unlike some people. (laughs) Yes. We're freaks. We're the creeps of women's hockey. So, uh, But those that know us like us. If we could edit that part out, we should edit that part out. I don't don't think that. Which part? Being the freaks of women's hockey. <laughs> Can't do it. Can't do it. Damn it. Uh, uh, yeah, so, that was an awesome We had a great time. 
What did you think? What did you think? What was your highlight of the uh, 30 plus minute interview? Uh, my highlight of the 30 plus minute interview is when uh, I asked her who the best player she'd played with I was, was named almost the entire USA roster. <laughs> um, I liked just her overall openness to answer every question. That was my, you know, she wasn't sticky at all. She wasn't, you know, stingy with yeah. her answers. She was really good with her answers. I like that. And we hung up the phone and talked for another 30 minutes with her. And uh, she just seems like a really fun person to be around and a great, uh, a, you know, great outlook on life. That's what I really, that was my takeaway w- with my interview with her. She was very generous with her time. Yeah. 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 Which was great. I think we, we probably could have pressed her a little harder on the, the My Why Tour, which I don't even think we got into. No, we didn't. But you know what? But we, we'd already brought up enough COVID negative and, and then the U18 Worlds stuff, you know? So I feel like, yeah, why do we want to just pile on on the negative stuff? I want to talk about her Olympic heroics and some of that other stuff. No, I thought it, I thought it was I thought it was good. And I also think that it uh, sets a precedent that we should do more interviews. I would love to. I would love to get uh, Dave Palmquist on the show, uh, the founder of the Red Black League, our sponsor for the show. I think he'd be a great interview, A, because of his past, and B, because of his involvement in the league, which is a big part of the reason this show is being so being brought to you guys today. Yeah, maybe maybe when Dave Palmquist comes in, I won't have uh, bronchitis. <laughs> and we don't want to be cutting each other off like we were during the interview on today's show. Oh. so. Uh, that, that was interesting. That's okay. We can we can yell at each other with the best of them, but uh, over the phone, it just it turns into a, a Buffalo stampede. Yeah, I know. I, I think we did okay in the interview. I thought you did a nice job of, you know, just staying in the background. And it was supposed to be your interview. I apologize for jumping into too many questions. My mother would be very proud of me for how quiet I was. You were. I was so proud I, of you. Oh, I was thanks. proud of you. So what's going on? What we've had, it's been about two weeks since we uh, did a show um, right before Christmas. Did you have a good Christmas? Yeah, my Christmas uh, actually went a lot better than I thought it was going to. What'd you get for Christmas? Like the best thing I got or everything? I Just one thing that might make for good copy here on the show. What did you get? I got a Roomba. Yes, Lara. you did. That was the best thing. See, Lara's family is interesting where they, they buy gifts for everybody. Like you got to buy a gift for grandma number one, grandma number two, uh, mom, stepdad, little sister, other little sister, little sister's boyfriend. My family's like the old people buy gifts for the young ones, and that's about it. Yeah, like under 18, right? Well, my parent at this point, my parents are in their seventies, and I'm thirty years old. So usually, they'll just hand me like a fifty dollar bill, excuse me, and say "Merry Christmas," which is fine with me. But yeah, usually it's my nieces and nephews who get gifts, and everybody else just kind of eats uh, cheese and crackers and watches the kids open gifts. But ah, uh, that's cool. That's cool. We're in a, I'm in a little bit different spot. We have young kids of our own, and uh, they get presents. So we got presents. I, I. You know, I'm going to tell you that I got the greatest present ever. I got an electronic toothbrush. It was fantastic. Like a big-time expensive one. My teeth are going to be so white here in the next few weeks. It's going to be great. You are such a grandpa. <laughs> I still you got all my teeth. Old. You're so excited over a toothbrush. It was awesome. It was awesome. I loved it. 
not like you got anything cool like a vacuum. No, I didn't get a vacuum. I didn't. <laughs> so what is the most exciting thing on the girls' hockey front that you saw in the last two weeks? Oh, my gosh. I, I lucked out, and I got to go to the Minnetonka-Edina game, the semifinals of the Walzer invite. And I don't think my post-game skate really captured. Well, how you much. only get 220, so there's, you, you can yeah. only cramp so much in. So I, th- I thought it was great. I watched it twice. I thought it was fantastic. Well, and at some point, you just feel like you're throwing words at, uh, at the camera. But uh, great atmosphere. There was a, a nice crowd on hand. There's a definite rivalry between those two teams. So it's, it's always fun to watch a charged game like that where there's some trash talking. There's some uh, personal grievances with each other. There's some big celebrations. It was also the most physical game I've seen all year, uh, boys or girls. There, it wasn't exactly just body contact in that game. We'll, we'll say that. Right, right. Um, what was your favorite part of the game? The fact that somebody not named Grace Sabura or Ava Lindsay or Ellie Kleppinger or Lindsay Avar scored the game-winning goal. I get you my I get my Ryan's mixed up. Was it Molly Ryan who scored? It was Molly Ryan right. who scored, and Molly Ryan has very quietly had a very productive season so far for Minnetonka. You I mean, it's an it's an embarrassment of riches over there. So, yeah. Coach Tracy Castano and her staff are uh, playing matchmaker with the lines. Um, they seem to have their topics out pretty well, but whoever slots in on that first line. I think that changes depending on who else is starting that game. But Molly Ryan, she's got nine goals so far. Nice to see somebody other than the usual suspects stepping yeah. up. Corey. And there's there's her sister, Allie Ryan, who is a Team Minnesota 08 superstar as well. So there's just talk about embarrassment of riches in Minnetonka. It's, it just keeps coming, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, you look up and down their lineup and you see just how many players have gone past the double-digit point mark. And we're only halfway through the season, so if you spread those out over another 12 or 13, well, 14, you're guaranteeing one section game, but another 14 games, you might end up with 10 players with 20 or more points, which is tough to compete against. It begs the question, you got, Minnetonka's still got a long ways to go, right? So they have Edina two more times in conference. Um, They've already have, they already have the, uh, uh, they'll be wearing the dark jerseys in the state finals if they play Andover because Andover will be seated higher than them because they've lost to them twice. They still got to get past uh, Holy Family in the section playoffs, who I saw last night. Uh, it, it's not exactly all downhill from here for the Skippers. No, it's not. But I also think that they'll use, like any good team, the regular season is just preparation for the playoffs. So they'll play out the rest of their regular season and they'll work out uh, whatever kinks they might have on special teams or maybe mess with the third line a little bit. And by the time they get to sections, I don't see anybody being able to stick with them, even Holy Family, which had a really good showing over the holidays. So I think yes. Tonka is by far the favorite in section two. Uh, what does this mean for Dinah? They don't lose a lot of regular season games. No, they don't, but I think it'll work out for Dinah. Um, I had a nice conversation with in a Dinah parent after that game. And she made the good point that, well, maybe this is good. Maybe this exposes some flaws in our system or in our game that uh, maybe were overlooked before because they were undefeated. 
and now Sammy Reem and her staff can go to work on whatever those flaws might be. Um, I also, <laughs> excuse me, um, I also learned that the, the flu bug that has been hitting pretty much every team from, uh, from Worthington to Warroad, a couple of Edina girls were sick during that game, which I don't think that's giving away sensitive injury news. No. Gosh, the, 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 you know, the cold flu season, whatever, whatever you want to call it, COVID, you have bronchitis right now with no positive Dude. COVID. There's, everybody's bronchitis. got something, right? So oh. I just hopefully we can get past this in the next few weeks and uh, get away from these cancellations and postponements as much as fast as we possibly can. Well, hopefully we avoid any cancellations or postponements. That's true. That's true. Uh, uh, however many you have, cross them. What's that? However many fingers you have, cross them. Yeah, I will. I will. Um, <laughs> I have eight fingers and two thumbs. Um, okay, so let's go. You talked about Tonka Edina. Let's go over the, the probably the biggest results. That was a big one, but the even bigger result is Andover beating Tonka in the Walzer final, four to three. Uh, thoughts on Andover's uh, cement firm hold it has on number one. Well, if we're going to discuss Andover, I got to mention what they lost last year. I mean, you think about uh, Peyton Hemp graduates, Gabby Kraus graduates, two of the state's best players, and then the transfer of Josie Hemp, who's a Division One defender. Uh, it's just it's absolutely remarkable what Andover has been able to do this year. They have not well, played a. You're leaving out Maddie Kaiser, who left last and, year. And, and Maddie, well. Years ago, so right. No, um, but she was. Yeah, but she was not there last year. So well, she wasn't there last year, but undefeated at thirteen and zero. They have not played a cream puff schedule. They no. played teams: Benil, Tonka twice, Gentry, Waro, Blake, Maple Grove. So for the the fact that they the first win over Minnetonka one nothing on home ice, a late five on three power play chance. All right, fine. You give the edge to Andover based on that. Four to three over Minnetonka on neutral ice in a championship game. I suppose you could make the argument that Tonka was a little emotionally hungover after its uh, intense overtime win over Dynamite before. But I mean, Andover is knocking them down. Whoever's put it in front of them, they're knocking them down. They put 42 shots on Tonka in that win. Think so about that, that. I mean, that's a that's a notch for Sophia Johnson, who had an outstanding Walls invite from Minnetonka, but. Andover is finding ways to win, and they're doing it on the power play, the penalty kill, and uh, on five on five. So you can't help but be impressed with what the Huskies have been able to do. All right. Now here's another game I'm going to read off to you. Blake, who is really creeping up the rankings, who were not in our top ten two weeks ago, beats Benilde as a real solid team, four to one. Blake, is, you said it before we went on air, Blake is red hot right now. Uh, the Bears nine and four overall. They started a little slow, one and two losses to Gentry But since then, they have been almost unstoppable, losing only two games once to number one Andover and a one nothing loss to number four Holy Family. And they get Edina this week, I believe, don't they? Edina tomorrow. Yep. Excellent. Which uh, which will be an interesting game, considering how many Edina players. Uh, <laughs> Contributors for Blake right now. We just had that with the St. Thomas Edina boys game uh, last week, where the 
all the Edina kids that play for St. Thomas got their win over Edina, which is always fun for the, the private school kids. If you ever wanted to do an entire podcast <laughs> episode um, on how good the Edina boys and girls programs would be if everybody stayed at Edina. It wouldn't be – you could, you could make up an entire team. It would be disgusting. I was you know, I was at it, the, the Benilde game last night, and it was just like Edina, Edina, juckiness, you know, Zavarol. Yeah. It's like Edina, yeah. Edina, Edina, Edina. I'm like, oh, my goodness. It's yeah. crazy, you know. The leading scorer for Blake, Ellie Morrison, she's got 21 goals. That's an Edina gal. Nope, nope, she's Tonka. She's a Tonka? Mm-hmm. Oh, more Minnesota made than anything, I believe. There goes my uh, there good goes try. A fun conjecture there. So. All right, good try. Uh, but Blake is playing really, really well. They are into the top ten this week. They've got Edina tomorrow. They'll play Creighton on Saturday, and then nothing slows down for uh, for Blake. They got Benilde, Wyzetta, Holy Family. Uh, looks like back to backs against Duluth Marshall. They play Gentry again. So nothing. Uh, no cupcakes left on the Blake schedule. So here's a couple of scores that I thought were interesting. Uh, Hill Murray beats Centennial 3-1. Yep. And then proceeds since that game to score two goals in their next three games and just gets blitzed by, by Minnetonka. Centennial again. You know, what's going on with Hill Murray? Help me out here, Mr. Eastside. Hill Murray's running a little hot cold. I mean, and that's... so is Centennial. And so, well, right now I think Centennial is pretty much just cold. The win over <laughs> Murray, not notwithstanding. So Hillbury goes on a bit of a tear. They win seven straight games, um, but really the only win that really stood out among those seven was against Centennial Spring right. Lake Park. And granted, that could have been just because you know the Cougars didn't get anything out of O'Hara or Goodrow at least relative to how well those two normally play. Let's see who right. got that. The one goal from Centennial was Callie Cody. And granted, Goodrow and O'Hara assisted on that goal, but Goodrow and O'Hara not scoring in that game. You can chalk that loss up to their top two horses not producing. And right. then three, Holy Family, that's a good team. Centennial, it's a good team. And Tonka, the number two team in the state. Yeah, Holy Fam- <laughs> I saw Holy Family yesterday. That's an impressive outfit. <laughs> wow. All yeah. three quality teams for Hill Murray. The one thing I would say about the Pioneers is that they're still fairly young. I mean, you look at their roster and you got 8th grader, 10th grader, 9th grader, 9th grader, 9th grader, 9th grader, 10th grader, 10th grader. Um, so they're still young. They're still learning how to win. Right. I mean, they're sophomore, but Sean Reed behind the bench by the time these underclassmen become upperclassmen, Hill Murray will be a, a metro powered like they've always been. All right, here's one. Uh, Proctor Hermantown beats Rogers, who you had, I think, as high as number four in the state, correct? Yep, they were they were number four. So Proctor goes to show you know nothing, right? I don't jack poop about. <laughs> hey, I stopped myself from saying the s word. So be nice. congratulations. <laughs> four straight shutouts for Proctor Hermantown, a testament to strong goaltending. Six shutouts in their last seven games but yes they do they beat rogers in the final of the herb brooks holiday classic naya seager the lone goal of the game for the mirage 22 shut up by abby pajari uh so rogers drops a little bit 
as would happen when you're a top five double A team and you lose to a single A team. State but, uh, defending state champion single A team. Defending, so you could you can make the argument that this says more about Proctor Hermantown finding their stride than it does about Rogers. Yeah, uh, it's it's the PH progress here, not the uh, Rogers slide. You know, come come uh, late February, Proctor Hermantown will be in St. Paul where they belong. Yep. Put it that way. In the semis. They're a semifinal in, team. I think they'll go to the tailgate. I think they're really Yeah. I mean obviously I want to see who they get matched up with, but depending <laughs> on it's early January and you already got them in the finals. Yeah, but that's subject to change. Oh, okay. I, All right. So you're backing off a little bit on that one then. Uh, where whichever way the wind blows. Okay. That's where good, good, good. I was like, well, that's pretty bold. I see him as a semifinalist. I mean, I can make a case if you want. Ask me to. I can make a case why they'll be in the finals. But, I mean, I still, I still think World's there. Uh, World hasn't had much luck in the semis lately. Um, and I think that, um, obviously, Orna will be there, too. Well, that's bold. That's not you bold. The top three teams in Class A that are on the That have been literally their head and shoulders above the rest of the state, I think. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, last game on our games of the past of note: uh, Gentry Academy whips Stillwater six to two. Um, is Stillwater the coldest team in the state right now? Well, Stillwater did lose to Moundsview. Yeah. Uh, you can make an argument that they might be the coldest team. Still yeah. The point of six, seven, six, and two. Excuse me. They beat Irondale Saint Anthony. As they should, yes. Yesterday, ten to nothing. So let's see if a double-digit score kind of works out some of their demons. So four straight losses for Stillwater, losing to Edina, understandable. Yep. Mount, not understandable. Not understandable. Gentry, mm. sure. Holy Family, yes. But then they pick up a win over Centennial Spring Lake Park in their last game of the Blake Breck Holiday yep. Tournament. So. Are they one of the coldest teams in the state? Yeah, but they might be trending in the right direction. They'll I take hope on so. tomorrow, Park Cottage Grove next Tuesday, and then they travel to Andover next Friday. All right, so we're going to have a pick'em session, and this is a first. Um, I think I think you beat me this week in picks. Please give us a review yeah. of your performance. I had to, why is that a gimme? Like, that was the ultimate yeah, Tony was, Scott jinx, wasn't it? You kept Beacon, and I have the audio saved <laughs> in my on my hard drive. It's, you know what the right team is? Maple Grove can't stay with Wyzetta. Well, Maple Grove defeated Wyzetta, so suck it, Tony I Scott. I was literally, you know, I some games I keep an eye on, and some games I... I get riveted too. That was one I was riveted too because I'm like, oh my god, I was just beaking, as you would say, beaking off about that, and it just came back to haunt me. I apologize. maybe you should get, maybe you should have gotten new glasses for Christmas instead of a, a tooth- <laughs> toothbrush. I All right, so how did I do on the week? Yeah, I was four games went- maybe two. No, our fourth game was a hypothetical between Andover and Edina. If they both made the final, and it did not happen. And it didn't happen. Another jinx. That was my idea, right? To to do that it was, game. It was your idea. It was your idea. You eliminated I, the real game in favor of a hypothetical game. 
And that's what we got. I jinxed it. My apologies. You should apologize. All right. What else? What, what were the games do we have except the one game? Italy, South St. Paul. You took Finley. I took South St. Paul. South St. Paul victorious over the Spartans, two to one. So I went zero and two. No, because then uh, the first meeting between Hill Murray and Centennial Spring Lake Park, you picked Hill Murray. I picked Centennial Spring Lake Park. Hill Murray won that one. Yes. But I mentioned previous or uh, previous a few minutes ago, Centennial avenged that loss a week later. So I went one and two, and you went two and one. You went one and two. I went two and one. All right. Yep. Okay. All right. I wouldn't do this. Yeah. I did so bad, especially since I jinxed it. I, I kind of deserved to lose after I jinxed the wise out of Maple Grove so badly. What do you mean you don't feel bad? You should feel bad. I, I could have gone 0 3 very easily. And I feel like I've, I salvaged a little bit of there with the uh, Hill Murray Centennial game. Fair. What are the uh, picks this week, Mr. Odney? Uh, we're going to go with a game that you immediately brushed off and. Just to rub it in your face even more, Rosemount Farmington. <laughs> so Rosemount. you're just going against me right now. Is it? No, nah, let's not do that game. And you're just like, ah, whatever, boss. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. I so love Ro- you. I love you. A top 10 team, 12 and 1, going up against Farmington South Suburban Conference Battle, Farmington 6 7 this year. <laughs> So a top team that's 12 and I'm one. I'm getting game. this one. I'm getting this okay. one, and I don't care. I'm getting this one. If you don't win, Rosemont, I'm gonna be so mad. Rosemont's gonna win, and you're. I know you're. Can I just do it? You just imitated me. I'm gonna imitate you now. Go for it. Well, you see, Tony, there isn't. They haven't played in three weeks. There's no way Rosemont beats Farmington. I don't sound like that. <laughs> I don't sound like that at all. I was pretty close, I thought. No, it wasn't. My voice is low and rich and chocolatey. It, it's, not, it's not. I do not sound like a Sesame Street character. <laughs> I thought it was perfect. It was far from perfect. perfect. Yes, Farmington, based on the fact that Ron has not played for three weeks. All right. I'm not yeah. getting this one wrong. I'm not getting this one wrong. You said that last time. All right. Okay. All right. Next. Hilmer and Holy Family. Oh, easy. That's an easy one. I'm going Holy Family. I saw those guys yesterday. They're, they, you know what? They they needed overtime to beat Benel, but they were the better team. They just were. They had more zone time. They had more puck control. Better better grade A opportunities. Uh, hats off to Benel for keeping it that close for that long. You know, if the IIHF hadn't canceled the U18 Women's Worlds, I would have said Hill Murray would win this, walking away because. Holy Family would be without Sedona Blair and Maddie Kaiser. But Kaiser and Blair are going to be on the ice for this one. At least I think they are as long as there's no injuries that I don't know about. So I will also take Holy Family. Okay. All right. Next. Our Northfield and Orono. I'm going to go Orono. Really? Mm-hmm. You're going to go Orono. All right. All right, I might live to rue this, but I am going to take Northfield. I think you rue a lot of your picks, Mister Five and Eleven, or whatever your record is. Seven, nah, seven and thirteen, or whatever your record is. Seven now. No, I'm seven and twelve. I'm seven. Seven and twelve. And 12. Okay. Seven and twelve. All right, so you're gonna take Orono. I got Northfield. Yeah. Round us out in our four pack. We've got Gentry Academy 
and the Red Knights of Benilde St. Margaret's. Oof. You want to go first? Because I, I, I could make a case for either one of these. I'm taking Gentry. That's what I was going to take. Because I yeah. think they're hot. Uh, I think they are too, and I also think that they've got more punch up front. Yes, that's a direct challenge to the St. Margaret's forwards, but I look for a, a game like this where Gentry's defensive core shuts down whatever offense the Red Knights can muster, and Karis Dajanik goes out and scores a hat trick. I'm going to go just for fun because I got such a huge lead. Uh, I'm going to go Benilde just in honor of Kelly Panic and her role as a player and a coach with Benilde. It's an honor pick. That's an honor pick right there. Oh. You didn't put the Dinah Blake game on there. I would have I might have gone after Blake on that one. You want to do that one? No, just I I might have gone after that one. I might have went fishing for that one. Tell, um, tell you what. Put it on the board if you take Blake. I'll take Blake. All right, you're going to take Blake. Give me a Dinah. All right. Okay. Give me Dinah. I just like their scores. I want to see the, I want to see this game actually. And it's I think at- it's at Bramar, isn't it? Or is that that's at Blake, actually? You could go over there and relive your childhood. Blake Arena? I could. I could. No. School. It's right next to Parade where you played your childhood hockey. Yes. That is. I, I spent more time near the Blake School senior campus than I did the Hopkins campus. The former Northrop Collegiate? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, I also sounds like your voice is fading. So, Mine? Yeah. No, really- I'm ready to go. I'm not the yeah. one with bronchitis. Hopefully you don't get it from you this weekend. It's not bronchitis. It's bronchitis. Oh, my gosh. I don't even want to know what that is. That's some <laughs> fancy millennial term for the cold. Uh, for a cold. Catch it from me this weekend. If I'm wearing a super cool non-surgical mask, you shouldn't catch anything. Right, right, ah. right. That's what we have to look forward to at uh, in Rochester. I know. What else do we got here for today's podcast? Oh boy! Well, I don't have any news or nuggets. Nobody's uh, nobody's reached out with anything uh, anything crazy lately. So I I think I, I think it was a good uh, nice way to dip our toe back in the water. A lot going on. Uh, doing the rankings. This was. Uh, Stressful. Let's put it. It out. was very stressful. I got a couple. I got a, one little nugget for you. I was at the uh, Holy Family Benilde game yesterday, and uh, Taylor Keppel got injured. Like it looked bad. Like she might be out for the year, wincing in pain, injured. And the flip side is, she comes back in overtime and gets the game winning goal. So she must not have been injured that bad because <laughs> Taylor got her first goal of the year and. And led the fire past the Red Knights. So I think I like those kind of stories, those reclamation stories, you know, the comeback stories. So I thought that was kind of neat. Well, it was good. Glad he was able to come back. The last thing you want is for anybody to get injured down the back half of the season. Yeah, that's a good team. I mean, Holy Family is a good team. They could make a run, but I just don't know if they can get past Tonka. Tonka is super, super deep right now. It's so deep. Well, I mean, if the if the officials let Tonka play the way they did against Edina, nobody will beat them because they'll, you know, physically beat other teams into submission. That'll be the section final, and I'm always I've been a two double A section final guy. That'll probably be the one that I will attend. 
that'll be the one on that night I will pick because it's going to be, there's just so much emotion wrapped up in that one. I'll fight you for it. I don't, I don't mind going to other ones, but that's just, it's always at Braemar. It's seven minutes from my house. It's just easy to go to, you know? And if there's so much on the line there for, especially for Holy Family and their girls and boys programs that have been close, but no cigar, you know? This is big for Holy Family. All those girls have since they were so young and this core group has been on the doorstep so many times and we'll see. We'll see. We will definitely see Uh, exciting week of girls hockey coming up. Uh, We will be back next week and a huge shout out to our sponsor, the red and black leagues and a shout out to you, Peter. Hope you feel better. Hope to see you in a couple days Uh, for Peter Odney. I'm Tony Scott. Thanks for tuning in to the girls high school hockey podcast. Her ice. Used to keep it cool, used to be a fool All about the bouncing master Watch it on the news, what you gonna do I could hit refreshing, forget